Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Soshing with Suntwe. Today, we've got a panel discussion where I've got some good mates, and we're going to be talking about mental health and men. Um, for those of you who don't know, Soshing with Suntwe, Soshing is a slang word in Zimbabwe, which means socializing. So, Soshing with my mates here. It's a conversation, it's not an interview. We're just going to talk and explore different perspectives. Uh, Suntwe, that's my nickname that I was given on the Zambezi. It's a Tonga word, which means hyena. There's a long story about that. If you want to know more about that, then you can read about it in the Chronicles of Suntwe on my website. But yeah, let's not waste too much time. Uh, for those of you who have been with us before, there's a slight change to the format. We are now uh, doing the live exclusively through the Soshing with Suntwe Facebook group. So add your friends to the group if they don't know about that. Um, we're not doing it uh, publicly anymore. This is exclusively for, exclusively for you guys that um, uh, have joined the group and supported and you get the privilege of being um, available and uh, get the, the advantage of being able to interact with the, with the, 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 the show. So that's wonderful. If you're already there, drop us a comment. Let us know where you're watching from. Let us know what's going on. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just trying to locate it on the Facebook at the moment so that I can uh, see your comments and see who's there and all the rest of it. So yeah, whilst I'm busy stuffing around, just give us the give us a comment on the side there. I can see there's three of you so far, which is fabulous. Right, I think I found it. Here we go. Right, so without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Greg, Jim, and Byron. Greg is a um, <laughs> Greg is a uh, business coach and uh, author. He's written uh, 26 books so far. Uh, very, very accomplished. He's from Bristol in the UK. We've got Jim from uh, the US. Uh, you're in Florida, are you, Jim? That's right, Miami, Florida. And uh, Jim is an entrepreneur and traveler who I met uh, through his travels when he came through Vic Falls. He stayed at my house. And uh, Byron is a base jumper and business analyst who's currently in the US but from south africa uh around centurion type of area and we, from where poch oh from poch of Strum. sorry my bad um and uh Byron and i met through uh adventure sports stuff a few years ago when uh i was chatting to him about uh, the, the brand raw adrenaline that uh, i founded and and uh yeah we've decided to come from our different uh backgrounds and different perspectives and start talking about uh mental health and men and uh, it seems it's quite a quite a um, a hot topic at the moment uh, a lot of people are talking about uh, mental health especially in men and the stigmas that are attached to it and the stigmas that are attached to it specifically for men um, how men have always grown up to to uh, do the stiff upper lip and uh, bottle up the feelings and um, yeah we want to open up that conversation and open up the dialogue and and uh, you know see uh see what we can chat about. So without further ado, let's get the show on the road. <laughs> I see uh, I see uh, someone's reacted with an angry face by Paula Einhorn. I'm not sure if that was a, a mistake or not. <laughs> but if you're, oh, angry, yeah. if you're angry this early on in the conversation, then I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You might want to <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was an error, though. Like, it's easy to misfire on those. So, yeah. So... The first thing I wanted to talk about, like, I don't know about your guys' particular experience, but I grew up in uh, Zimbabwe and growing up there, it was always a very, it's a bit of a macho culture. Um, it's a very much boys don't cry. Um, you know, when you, when you hurt yourself, when you're going through things, when you're trying to um, process life as a kid, um, it's a very much uh, toughen up buttercup type of environment and and as a result i don't know I, I i like to think that my parents weren't really like that but the system and the culture was very much like that i don't know what it was like growing up for you guys what do you what do you reckon greg for me uh well i, I grew up in a household there was five kids and no dad really um you know um so it's me and three brothers and a sister and so we we basically helped each other so I, I learned a lot from them but also when they left because they were a bit older I learned most from my mum so I guess I adopted a lot of her uh behaviors and traits and things and um 
so that led me to be somebody who was I guess quite sensitive in some ways and not necessarily in a good way because I always felt fear or I was worried or depressed or anxious because I I absorbed all of that so it took me many years to um to learn or teach myself how to not always be emotionally led and to sort of think logically and rationally so I just went through a whole process of um self-discovery through uh necessity it wasn't like I, I said oh I'm going to get into personal growth or self-growth I actually had to read books to really survive um to teach myself different things and overwrite patterns which weren't supporting me you know mm. or serving me and um so that's essentially my story and uh I've never stopped learning and uh growing from there really mm. what how, how what was like in the USD Jim the US definitely has uh, a bit of a macho culture at times. Um, you know, the American dream is is kind of defined as, um, you know, building a business or being a, a go-getter and creating financial resources so that you could provide for your family. And, uh, you know, the, the older version of being a man is like, can you, like, how much money do you make? And how big is the house that you're able to provide for your family and your, you know, your wife and your children? And it's it's very even to this day, um, manhood is very largely defined by what you do and what you have, and not as much by what by who you are. Um, mm -hmm. So those are a lot of the ideas that I grew up with, and um, my parents were, my mom always encouraged me and my two brothers. I, I'm one of three brothers. She always encouraged us to, uh, you know, talk about our feelings. And um, when I was about seven years old, my parents separated. So uh, they divorced. So I was living, my mother's influence was very strong. And that developed a more sensitive side of me as well. Um, I think it served me in a lot of ways, though, um, because it helped me kind of just be more in touch with, with my feelings and being more willing to talk with them, be it with a small group. It took me a long time to grow up and build the courage to do that with a broader group of people. But um, yeah, just an interesting set of influences between home life and, and the American society as a whole. Mm, very interesting. Mm. Baron, South Africa, I would imagine, is uh, very similar to how I, how I grew up. Yeah, we grew up with that whole thing. If it's not bleeding, it doesn't hurt. And uh, boys then cry. And uh, yeah, all that. My story is a little bit different. I have a family history of uh, mental uh, illnesses. Uh, for example, my one of my cousins, which was very close to me, he committed suicide at the age of 18 because of his depression and so forth. And uh, it runs in the family. I myself uh, am diagnosed with a few conditions which I'm actively uh, controlling with medication. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not always easy. And uh, it's something that needs to be talked about because people don't realize that it's something that's like diabetes or whatever. It's an illness. It's not something that you can just get over <laughs> because the, the normal thing is when you feel down or you're getting through one of the motions and it's like, uh, don't worry, you'll get over it. Or, uh, yeah, just uh, don't think about it. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Hmm. So, from a first-hand experience, because you, you, as you said, you've, you've, you, you live with with a condition already. Um, I know I have I have first-hand experience from my own perspective of of uh, depression type thing. I don't know if it's if it's uh, to the same level, of course, because uh, I'm not medicated and I never. I, it wasn't it wasn't a long-term thing, but I went through a really really dark phase in my life. And for me, what I've noticed in my own uh, encounters in my own life is that my mental health is very, very closely related to my diet because I have various food allergies and um, my diet and my, my health. So if I let my diet go and I let my health go and I don't exercise, my mind follows very quickly and it becomes a very poor downward spiral where as the mind goes the diet gets worse the lifestyle gets worse the mind gets worse as a result and the down <laughs> and it just becomes a vicious circle that um that uh that just becomes this complete you know out of control spiral 
and it takes a lot because as as anyone who's had this had a been in a depressed state before you realize you you will realize you get into a bit of a pit of despair where to pull yourself out of it takes a lot like it's a really really difficult difficult place to you know a lot of people are like oh just pull yourself together man or oh just go to the gym man some days you can't even get out of bed it uh um i think a lot of people don't understand how um depression or um any type of mental illness can actually uh, manifest and, and affect you physically on a physical level like your body aches and your 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 energy levels are just not there just to even get up to go to the kitchen you sometimes don't eat so can you give us a bit more insight on on your personal experience on that side of things so it okay so my condition itself is a is a chemical one so i have a chemical imbalance and uh that causes my uh, depression, if you want to call it like that. And uh, what people don't realize is that all of us suffer from depression in some other way during our lives. Because in today's lifestyle, we, we get burnout. Now, there's a difference between burnout and uh, depression. Burnout has lots of the same symptoms, but it's a, it's a momentary thing in time. So once you adjust your lifestyle, like you said, uh, the gut has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. and, um, the way you work and prioritize, then you can get past it. And then the, the, when it comes to the clinical part of the depression, sometimes uh, one can try and cope with it as good as possible. I did it for quite a few years without medication uh, for various reasons. And um, and at, at some stage, you, you kind of think, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing this. You still have your ups and downs, but it's not as obvious to people around you because uh, you're putting up that mask. And then just uh, one day you get to a breaking point and then you can't do it on your own anymore. Then you need a little bit of uh, intervention to kind of just put you back on the on the correct path. Because it's in that moment where uh, you feel like, okay, the, the, the world's uh, not right anymore. I, I don't belong here. Uh, I'm not making a difference. Uh, all those kinds of thoughts come along. And uh, what I really think people don't realize is how how many people are out there that because of uh, the way we live today suffer from from uh, symptoms and uh, actual depressional states. Uh, something that's always interesting to me is uh, like friends in the northern hemisphere up high called it's seasonal depressor. Mm. Uh, SAD, isn't it? Yeah, it's SAD. Yeah, SAD, and uh, it's it's quite. Uh, remarkable when when talking to friends as the seasons change and uh, um, then you'll notice that something's off and uh, lo loads of people don't want to admit it but that's the pressure that comes it's it's that change in seasons it's the lack of social activity it's all those kinds of things so it can take many forms and uh, not all of them needs to be medicated but if one doesn't look out for the symptoms or or the signs of of it it can become very bad very quickly. Mm. Uh, Greg, do you have any uh, personal sort of relate? Can you relate to it on a personal level as well? Or is it strictly from work side of things? Um, yeah, I can actually. Yeah, because I, I think that I was always a depressed kid, you know, um, and so I grew up with it. Um, and uh, I started realizing very quickly on that I'd go to the darker side of things a lot and I'd be up one minute, down the next, but I've never been diagnosed. So hmm. there, there were things that I'd looked at myself and I could tell what I was suffering from, which was partly to do with um, identity, um, inferiority kind of complex as a kid, um, anxiety and panic attacks, which lasted for quite a few years. And they can make you depressed because you feel like hiding and you can't face uh, anybody, you know, because um, you just get these awful feelings. So I think for me, it was about trying to understand whilst, as, as uh, Bran says, you know, we're all different. Every one of us has got different experiences, different genetic makeup. And so there's different types of depression, um, which some can be brought on by traumas. And certainly that was a part of what happened for me was certain traumas. So I tried to work on changing the imagery that I was looking back at, which affected me, you know. Mm. Uh, working with trying to, I guess, dissolve some of the 
stuff that made me unhappy and altering my perspective of myself and my ability and that kind of thing. So it was a gradual process of, of trying to rewire some things, but also, you know, implementing lots of new things like, like exercise and drinking more water and just trying to do everything I could really. Mm. Just uh, before we continue, I just want I think uh, just addressing everybody who's watching, if someone could just drop a comment, because I have a funny feeling that when we broadcast to the group now, that comments are not working for some reason. So, mm. um, cause I'm not seeing any comments. I'm not, and there is a notification here about me not being able to post a comment. So if that's the case, then in future, we'll have to go back to the other one. You'll have to just excuse us guys. This whole thing is a learning curve. I've never done the stuff before. So this, <laughs> I didn't go to school for it. So this has all been a learning curve. This has all been a bit of an experiment and I just thought I would make it more exclusive for you. But, um, Okay, I've got one comment says, how's it? But it's from Facebook user. It doesn't, oh, it's Ashley de Bourbon. Okay, so I can see on my computer, I can see Ashley de Bourbon saying, how's it? But on here, it literally just says Facebook user, how's it? So I can identify you from watching on my other computer, but I can't identify you in this feed. But for some reason, Val Chikali, I can. She says, hi, Paul. So, um. Yeah, if you're there, just drop a comment and say hi, just so I know you're there, just so that we can see that it's all working, um, that we can acknowledge you and uh, yeah, get involved. Please add add your bits to the conversation, add your questions. We, we want to talk to everybody. This is not just about us. Um, we want to cool. open this. We want to open this dialogue as much as possible. Yeah, just want to say sorry, but um, have you have you got if you clicked on comments, or are you in private chat? No, I'm in comments. Oh, okay, yeah, because I just move the cross to that so I can see everybody's stuff. I didn't know whether you were in that or not, but cool. Yeah. And it looks like, uh, looks like the angry face is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paula. I just want to touch up on what Greg said. And uh, PTSD is, is a very common thing. And I think it's, it's more common than people would actually uh, want to acknowledge. Sure. Especially in today's life. Because we we go daily and we we get desensitized by violence on television and uh, news, etc. So when something traumatic happens to you, like a home invasion or a hijacking or uh, anything along that line, and it, it doesn't even need to be something like that, it can can be just a very traumatic experience. The impact it has on you subconsciously uh, manifests, and uh, if you don't talk about it and then deal with it, over a long period of time, you'll start to notice symptoms like anxiety form and uh, night terrors yep. and, and stuff like that. And I think that's something that, that people look over because once again, it comes to that thing about, I'm fine. I don't need to talk to anybody about it. It's, it's just something that happened. Uh, it's just another day. And uh, I think acknowledging the trauma is, is the first step towards uh, avoiding long-term uh, mental illness or mental issues and uh mm. just looking through it absolutely totally um, yeah so this is this brings us to the to what we were saying before we started the the broadcast um we uh you know the importance of having friends that you can talk to and having people that you can go to when i was going through my my darkest hour shall we say um a couple two years ago or whenever it was um i literally felt alone you know, you don't want to, you don't want to talk to the ones closest to you that you're, you know, you, you can't be seen to be crumbling in front of the ones you're supporting. Um, it's a, it's a tough situation, especially as a, a man who's a breadwinner, who's supporting others, who's got family, who's, who's trying to um, always put on the brave face. And then having peers who are other tough men who look at you as a tough guy uh, and not wanting to to show the vulnerability to those people for fear of ridicule, for fear of of breaking the facade of that toughness, and all the rest of it. So, um, I was like, I'm lucky enough that I've got such a diverse um, network of friends all around the world, and people like Jim, for instance, are the type of people that I would go to in those situations. Jim, where I like to think we're close, but we're also just far enough removed that it's easy to be vulnerable because the stakes are not 
you know, immediately high within your own community. Um, Greg is uh, Greg has also become that kind of friend for me since I've been in the UK, and him and I chat a lot online, and I think it's very important. And since since I've become friends with Greg, he's uh, he's put together a, a group called the Code of Man on Facebook, which is basically a type of support group. But I'll let I'll let uh, Greg elaborate on that if you'd like to talk more about that, Greg. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's basically just a group on Facebook where, um, you know, I thought that it'd be nice to create for men to be able to talk to each other or at least feel empowered and get back some control if they feel out of control. Because just as all of these wonderful gentlemen have been talking about, uh, we're all different and we've all got different things in our past and different chemicals and so on and so forth. But at least if there's somewhere where someone can feel that they're listened to, um, they don't always want advice people, you know, they just want somewhere where they feel acknowledged. And as you quite rightly said, people can feel lonely or isolated. So the goal is to make sure that I'm always there answering stuff or posting stuff and responding and just checking up on people, really. So, mm. um, yeah, if anyone's interested in joining that, by all means, come along. Uh, we'll put the, the link in the comments or we'll post it in the group as we'll post that group in the, the main group. So whoever wants yeah. to join the code of man, happy days, the more, the merrier, I guess. And, yeah, um, <laughs> what's that? You're in. <laughs> Count me in. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's great. It's a great group. Um, there's, there's literally, uh, Greg's very active on it as well. And there's literally something of value that's posted at least once a day. I, I mean, he posts there like three, four times a day in minimum from what I've noticed. So, I mean, there hasn't been a day gone by that I haven't found some value in that group. So I would encourage anybody to, to get involved. Sorry. From personal experience, I just want to say a group like that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense and it's more approachable because when you, Talk to people around you that know you and you have interacting with. Your natural tendency is to try and fix things. So if, if you're going through something and you, you're just talking about it, everybody tries to fix it. And it's not something that they can fix. It's, uh, it's, it's something you have to deal with. And that's making it harder for you to talk to them about it because as soon as you open up and talk about it, they all try and come with, no, but do this or do that. And uh, it's, that's not the way it works. And then the other side of it is people don't necessarily know how to handle it or deal with it. We're having somebody that's in a depressed state or has a condition in their life. And then uh, what I've noticed from personal experience is people tend to distance themselves. And so it, it all depends on, uh, on the individual themselves. If they have a reference framework to, to having dealt with it themselves or in the family, they, they tend to be more... Um, open open to it but in, in general people distance themselves and then they avoid interaction because they don't know how to deal with it um, from their own perspective and that can once again cause that feeling of abandonment that, that we described earlier absolutely yeah and <clears throat> excuse me the one thing i want to i just want to go back to with what you said there's it's a massive thing for me in my life is uh not uh you know, not trying to fix it. Not Don't try and fix the problem that I'm talking about. All I want to do is talk, be acknowledged, have some empathy, get through it, talk myself through it. And, uh, and uh, as a result, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm capable of solving my problems. Mm. I'm not looking for a solution. I'm just looking for understanding. And uh, a lot of the time when somebody tries to fix the problems, it becomes annoying. So... <laughs> And then you want to retract and you don't want to talk and you, you end up going into yourself and then, oh, it can be a downward spiral from there. So I think that's a massively good piece of advice that Byron's brought to the table is I know it's hard, but to try not to fix, try just to listen. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you can agree that uh, sometimes we just need to vent. We just need a soundboard. But because by verbally expressing the emotions and thoughts, you solve your own problems by putting them out there and yeah. uh, just verbalizing them because that's sometimes all you need to do is verbalize them for yourself so you can try and make sense of them. And, um, yeah, people don't always get that we just need to vent. Yeah, totally. I think it's also a um, really good point, by the way. I, I totally agree. It's I actually learned that concept reading this book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, years ago. I was having trouble communicating with my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, 
I got how do how do I communicate communicate better? And they use this this analogy in the book, which was sometimes when somebody is hurt, uh, not just men, um, but sometimes when somebody is hurt, they go into their cave and they need to lick their wounds and figure things out and feel better. And sometimes it's best not to follow them into the cave, but rather wait at the entrance and just let them know you're there. When they're ready to come out and talk, you're there. Uh, you mm -hmm. don't have to chase them in there. Um, and I learned that that was one way that uh, helped me communicate with people, not only like from both ends, like sometimes it's important to, I've found it's important to tell people how you, what you need in that moment. Like, and also uh, if you have the energy to also ask them, do you have capacity for uh, uh, this conversation right now? I'm not going to dump all my emotional baggage on you necessarily, but, but I, I like to ask people for permission um, to share. And sometimes people are in a, in a stable place to be able to make space for you. And sometimes they're dealing with their own situation or they're in a cave right now. And they, and so you give them the opportunity to say, I wish I could, you know, have this conversation with you right now, but maybe not yet, you know? So I think it's, um, it's kind of like a two way street. It's important for us to have the courage to share our feelings. Um, but it's also helpful when we know somebody, uh, which is why a group like Greg's is so great. It's important to know that the person can make space for us in that situation. And, and they're, you know, does that make sense? I, I think that's kind of an important piece to add to the, to the equation. Mm. Fantastic point there. And you can relate to it as well visually because, you know, that, that's what's useful to people, isn't it? Is um, being able to see where you're coming from there and, and, how to uh, feel okay with that because yeah you're right I think I've been with my missus 23 years and there are days when sometimes one of us doesn't talk or communicate and it's easy to jump to that place of going oh he's not listening to me or she's not listening to me and and over time that can wear, wear someone down and can lead to a divorce or you know and so I, I try to approach that angle from a sense of understanding is maybe she's tired today, you know, um, and she's, she's, she's just focusing on something else. So I try and come from a place of acceptance of, of the situation rather than a criticism, more of a curiosity, I suppose. Um, that certainly helps me if, and may help others in relationships. Um, because some people, it is, tr it is tricky. Yeah. It's it's very tricky. Mm. But I always <laughs> think to myself, if the person that loves me, who's chosen to be with me, hasn't got any maliciousness towards me, they've chosen to be with me. Therefore, they're probably not, you know, ignoring me through spite or through some kind of thing. And if they are, maybe it's the wrong relationship, right? But certainly I know the person I'm with, uh, is, I suppose, as good as anybody now. Um, but I'm always prepared to be open to being flexible to things and not getting too stuck in my ways because I think if, if you get too stuck in your ways with anything, uh, you, you can then think you know everything and you end up knowing nothing. I've already learned so much today from you guys. It's wonderful. Yeah, and that's what it's about at the end of the day because uh, you compare notes and uh, see what works, keep what works and bin what doesn't, eh? Really? And um, that's one thing that I see a lot in your in your group as well. When you when you do your post, you say, "Well, this is what's worked for me. What works for you guys?" And and you see different perspectives from different people. So, like I've commented and say, "Well, this actually works for me," and yeah. um, and another person, "Well, this actually works for me." And you nitpick what you think will work for you. Give it a bash if it works. Keep it if it doesn't. Don't. Exactly. You know, it's like if if something's working in, in it, like in business, scale it up, increase it grow it how you wanted to grow it um with the right resources and actually our minds are such wonderful things you know that we vastly underestimate their capability don't we and and if there there are ways where we can use that creativity and i know like you guys have mentioned if you if you're in a situation which is difficult it's very very easy to go to a place of difficulty or thinking that it's the worst case scenario but if you can think creatively how to respond differently to that and start to create a habit out of that that supports you, then maybe it can help change your life, you know? 
Absolutely. Barand, I think you were going to say something. Yeah, I just want to get back to the stigma part. And um, specifically when it comes to psychologists and psychiatrists, uh, society has, through television shows and movies, uh, stigmatized it a lot as somebody where you go and you lay on a couch and then you talk about your problems and it's like, how are you feeling, etc. And uh, very few people that haven't been to uh, such a doctor or professional um, have that mental image. And that's not actually how it works. The main purpose there is to take you through your situation and uh, diagnose uh, the cause behind it. And as with everything, it's not something that if you just feel like this for a week now, now you've got a condition. It's something that's over a long period of time with uh, patterns, etc. And by going to see a professional, it's not a sign of weakness. It's just acknowledging that you have a problem so we can kind of compare it to going to an AA meeting. <laughs> it's like you, your first, the first step is acknowledging. You have to acknowledge that something's not right and mm -hmm. um, then seek the correct professional help for it. And by going to that person uh, or individual, a professional, you can look at your situation and go through a few things and try exercises and try some anti-anxiety medication or other forms of uh, chemical hormone rebalancing or whatever you want to call it and uh, try and address the situation because trust me for somebody that's uh, lived with their whole life and gone through multiple different stages uh, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do is, is to go to one of these professionals and say listen uh, I'm not capable of coping with it on my own anymore and uh, we need to try some things and then you get to a point where it's like okay well it's, it's making things a little easier it doesn't necessarily fix the problem, but it does make coping with it a lot easier than you would on your own. Hmm. Absolutely. But Ooh. yeah, it's that it's that same thing though. That that acknowledgement that there is something wrong is probably the hardest step for anything, whether it's it's a uh, uh, like depression or anxiety or you know it's a, it's as hard as admitting you have an, an addiction of some kind. Um, it's that first acknowledgement is, is the hardest part. And that's, you know, where I was um, two years ago, it's almost two years ago. Like I, by the end of 2018 was a rough year for me. It was like probably the hardest. It was, I had a bit of a downward spiral from 2015 going all the way to 2018 and the end of 2018 being the pits. And uh, it was only at the beginning of 2019 where I really pulled myself together again and started making, you know, where I really acknowledged, right, there's actually something seriously wrong here and I need to sort my shit out because, um, you know, and it, and it manifested in my body, in my health. I, I was overweight and, and just not getting anything done. And that acknowledgement was a, almost a breaking point, you know, and it was a make or break moment. And, um, I don't know if you've barred or any of you guys have got some kind of words of wisdom for anybody who gets to that point, how to, how to deal with that acknowledgement and move forward and get the, 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 the help or the, the, or make them the steps to get to move forward from that point. I, I think it's important to look at our beliefs and more specifically what is our belief about what it means to be a man, to be a masculine man? I think that, you know, we were talking earlier about the influence of our societies, no matter how much our mother or fathers may have uh, taught us um, that the, the influence of society is so powerful. Mm. And, you know, a lot of us, it uh, sounds like all of us grew up in very masculine machismo societies. And so I think for a lot of people, it's it's given us this belief that masculinity is and then follow that up with a bunch of misguided things like masculinity it means not talking about your problems because it doesn't because then you don't seem like you got your stuff together masculinity mm. is you know you make more money than the neighbor uh masculinity is you know whatever you're cool whatever i i think so I totally agree. The starting point is awareness. Um, until we pull things 
from our subconscious to our consciousness, it will run our life and we will call it fate. Mm. Do you know what? Do you know? Sorry to interrupt you, Jim, but I yeah. was just thinking as you were saying that it's almost like, you know, the, the, the social media culture of living the highlight reel. It's almost, yeah. it's almost an, an outward expression of what, uh, what masculinity is because the, the, the masculine thing is to always project the outward facade of everything's fine and I've got this whilst burying all the other shit. And it's the same as if you look at a social media profile. It's always the highlight, 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 but you don't yeah. see the struggle behind it. So I think um, that just that just triggered a, a sort of a metaphor in my head of looking at it like that. So, sorry. Sorry to derail. Yeah, <laughs> really good point. Oh, that's, I, I would love to touch on that too. The, the last thing I had about the other point was just that it does have to start with self-awareness. And I think it's important to just ask ourselves, how am I defining what it means to be a man? Hmm. And, and not calling it good or bad, not calling it right or wrong, just seeing it for what it is. And then asking ourselves, is this serving me? Where has this gotten me? Like this, my current set of beliefs have gotten me to this point in my life. Hmm. And if I continue to believe these, have these beliefs, it's going to give me the same outcomes in the future. So do I want a different outcome or not? If I don't, cool, you're good. Um, but if you want to make changes, then it's important to look at the beliefs because that's kind of at the core. And you can't look at your beliefs until you have self-awareness. And then when you have self-awareness, you have choice. And choice is one of the most powerful things that, that we have, in, in my opinion. Um, and to touch on the point of social media, yeah, that's, gosh, whatever we focus our intention on, is what becomes our reality. So mm. if we're if we're constantly viewing the highlight reel of everybody else's life, um, we're going to have this false construct of what reality is, and we're going to compare ourselves to the highlight reel and feel less than. And of course, on social media, you see, you know, let's on the topic of men, you see men with cars and you know girls on boats and all this stuff, and it's just like this is where young men's minds are being shaped and influenced and it's you know it's so i think um that's a really good point you bring up and uh i think it's important to just bring up more conversations like this and i actually do want to call out something that was very amazing that i saw which was uh i like reggaeton music uh oh yeah me too i live i, I live in <laughs> miami one of the biggest reggaeton stars in the world is jay balvin Mm -hmm. and his music videos are full of girls and cars, and he's such a cool dude. You know, he's like this pinnacle of cool man. And he recently came out and told people that he was dealing with depression on Instagram to his millions of followers. And I was just so touched by that because I realized, like, especially in – I would venture to say that Latin culture is one of the most – macho cultures uh being mm. living in it here in miami uh and for that guy a role model to so many young men um come out and say he was depressed was so touching to see and i think that you know as we talk about some of the challenges people are facing like i think i wanted to add that example in there because i just thought it was so wonderful that he did that and and it gave people uh, something that's not part of the high right reel. It gave people a little bit of the reality, the the other part of the iceberg, per se. Mm, absolutely. You know, talking about someone like that as well is that. So, in my own personal experience, I got into a bit of a a, a vicious, a negative feedback loop in myself because when I was going through that dark time, I was essentially living the dream. Like I, I hate this, but I keep doing it. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are on a, listening to this later on the podcast, I'm doing a lot of air quotes and it's making me look like an idiot, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but that's fine. I, I, I had a, yeah, I had a, <laughs> I had this, this, this thing in my head that I'm living the dream and I'm depressed and that, and I don't deserve to be depressed because I'm living the dream. I live on the most beautiful river in the world, right next to the greatest waterfall on the planet. I kayak every day. 
I see uh, elephants and buffalo every day. I do whatever I want every day. And yet, for some reason, I'm not happy. And I don't deserve to not be happy. And it really put me into a serious negative feedback loop that just made me even worse because I felt like I didn't deserve it. And I can imagine someone like, um, what's his name? Jay Balvin. Yeah, like, like, like him would be having all the cars, all the women, all the boats, all the money, all the everything and still not feeling happy. It's got to be like, what is, you get to that point where you're like, what is, what the hell is life about? Why am I here? If I've done, if I tick all the boxes and I'm still not happy, what the hell am I supposed to do next? And, and uh, is, sorry, I was going to say, what are those boxes? You know, like, like Jim was saying as well. And it's been touched on the fact that what are we actually chasing to feel fulfilled and satisfied and happy by? Because if we're always looking for something, it's like instant gratification that, you know, because we can get access to everything now so easily. I'm going to buy something on Amazon because it make me feel good. Um, but then, you know, so, or, so that's that what you just said. What are the boxes? So, and you said, what is the fulfillment? So that's where I've come back to, and I've said it a lot in the past podcasts, where happiness is bullshit. It's for kids. <laughs> if you're chasing happiness, happiness is is temporary, and it comes from external gratification, and it's uh, transient. It happens. You want to be happy, eat an ice cream. When the ice cream's finished, you're not happy anymore. It's it's as simple as that. But the key is for fulfillment. And the, the mind shift that I had myself, which, which changed things a lot. I mean, obviously, we're not talking about a, a medical situation here. We're talking about, I guess, a self-inflicted, down-in-the-dumps depression, self-inflicted to some extent where it's, you know, it's internal, um, was two things that I realized. I realized I was entitled, and I realized that I was searching for happiness instead of fulfillment. And only when I decided that I gave to give up entitlement where I could was when I started to realize that fulfillment was the way forward. And fulfillment comes from 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 discomfort, and discomfort comes from growth. Uh, growth comes from discomfort. Fulfillment comes from growth. And the only way to actually become fulfilled is is to is to to do something with purpose. And things with purpose normally come from you know a, a deeper intrinsic value. So you need to identify your values, what you're trying to achieve in the world from a value perspective rather than a material perspective. Mm. You can do whatever you want materially, it, as long as it's and as long as it's going towards your values, you you can you can find fulfillment. And the difference between fulfillment and happiness is like making love versus having a wank. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> for lack of a better analogy, like going and kayaking on the river every day was like just having a wank every day. It's it's completely. Yeah self-serving has no purpose no value and, and therefore was unfulfilling although it was living the dream quick buzz yeah i just want to acknowledge donna tipler and her comment here um she says paul i feel you and appreciate uh, your thing in your head living in the dream and zim and you've achieved all this awesome stuff as a wife of a husband who works in a big corporate company in zimbabwe and to watch and see him uh thanks donna thank you for your comment um so Paul, I want to touch on the social media thing again. And Sorry? I say I just want to touch on the social media thing again. And it's very true that uh, you see everything and all this has an influence. And I think what people don't realize is it's okay to take a break. If you disconnect yourself from social media, delete that app from your phone or uh, log out and just distance yourself for a bit, you'll come to a few, what, what, what's the best way to describe it, realizations that uh, everything that you see isn't always the way it is. And mm -hmm. just by distancing, because what I can say is once you get into that groove of looking at your phone like a few times ago, logging into Instagram, and then you see all these things, and you're like, well, I'm stuck here doing this, or uh, I'm, I'm at this job, and everybody else is having fun. I want to have fun. Um, and then it kind of manifests. So right. just, by, just by realizing it, everything isn't always as, as it seems and even perhaps doing a little bit of a social media break could uh, change your view quite a lot. Absolutely. So one of the other things that, that was key in my um, transformation, shall we say, was I, I decided to take a complete control over, over my life in, 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 in what I consume, not just in uh, like food, but Everything I consume that goes into me needs to have 
benefit towards my life. So I cleaned up my diet. That was the first thing I did. And then the second thing I did was to go and stop consuming any sort of negative media or anything that, that does not benefit my goals in some way. So mm -hmm. I stopped. I will tell you right now that I've relapsed <laughs> and I'm not in that really disciplined state right now where I, where I was uh, uh, under control of my consumption of, of media like I, I was last year. Last year, I stopped watching series. I stopped watching TV. I stopped watching any news. I stopped watching anything negative. And I focused only on educational podcasts, educational YouTube videos, uh, anything to do with personal growth that could benefit, anything to do with nutrition, health, all that sort of um, all that sort of thing. So everything I was consuming from a mental perspective and from a physical perspective was in line with me achieving what I was set out to achieve. And and it made a massive difference. I I it changed my life really. So if I was to 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 throw anything out there for anyone to try, I would say start with that. Um, also, I think there's a lot of diagnosis of, of conditions happening at the moment prematurely, maybe. I'm not a doctor. The disclaimer I'm going to give you here now is speak to a professional. Obviously, don't listen to what I have to say. But what I, what I would say is if you haven't checked your diet and checked your lifestyle and checked your health first, do those things first. And if you're still having a problem, go further. I don't know, Barrent, maybe you can tell me I'm talking cuck. No, I agree with you. It's, it's all things that you can start doing by yourself and try and eliminate as much as possible to try and find the cause. And seriously, like I said, some of the issues we're experiencing can just be seasonal. It can be situational. There's a big difference between depression and burnout. And uh, even though some symptoms are the same, it doesn't mean that you have a condition. You can just be going through a very stressful time at work or in, in your personal life, causing this burnout feeling. And uh, it might represent itself as, as a depressional state, but it's not. It's temporary. And by making those changes uh, to your lifestyle, you can get yourself out of that. But the thing is to keep track of it and Absolutely. to see the pattern. Because if this is something that doesn't change by changing your diet and, and lifestyle, they, it means there's, under, there's something underlaying. And then it's definitely the right thing to do is to reach out to a professional and uh, go and have this discussion and uh, so forth. Absolutely. Just to acknowledge Donna again, uh, Donna said, uh, sorry, I pushed send before I had finished my comment. My point was no matter where we are or where we live, men have to man up and own it. Here in Zim, it's hectic. I have big respect for every husband, man, son trying to survive in our country. Big respect. Yeah, thanks, Donna. It is quite tough. And Zim is no joke. She also says, um, Paul, would you agree that most Zimbo men treat their anxiety and stress with booze? Okay, so I'm not going to say yes or no to that because I personally I don't I don't drink. So I'm I'm lucky in that respect, I suppose. But I do know Zim has a serious drinking culture and um whether the the I can't I can't attest to whether it's actually to self-medicate with alcohol maybe i don't know but it, it could very well be but it's the drinking culture there's quite serious but i want to address that one okay so from the viewpoint of somebody that is uh is going through life with with a specific condition and uh having had uh uh the culture of growing up in south africa where when you're happy you drink when you're sad you drink when you socialize you drink <laughs> <laughs> Uh, booze is a, is a big factor within life there and uh, I myself have been uh, sober now for just over a year I worked out that it was 500 something days since I've had a drink congratulations and, and, yeah. and the reason being is uh, I went through through some stuff and I, the big realization was I get into the cycle so I'll, I'll be down and uh, then I'll go have a few drinks to feel better and then alcohol is a natural depressant and that makes things worse and it's mm. just a vicious cycle and so by eliminating that component uh out of out of your life uh, you get the, the opportunity to just focus on a few few other things and and try and figure out where that balance is and mm. uh, i'm not saying drinking is wrong it's like if you want to have drinks have it just be aware of what effect it cool. has on 
because if you're already in a in a depressed state, just adding that that uh, third party factor in there can uh, really mess things up, because then you're firstly already uh, suffering from a, from a condition, and now you're adding something on top of it. It makes your judgment very poor, and then um, yeah, it, it could end uh, quite differently to the way you would have imagined. I think that's a great point because you know I I've always had I don't know if I could call it you know there's there's different labels that people can say that they've had suffer from experience so on and so forth so I looked at all the things that I possibly could have suffered from or experienced um, and then I thought to myself well if I get depressed and I have a drink um, I'm drinking because I'm depressed or whatever what I recognised was that you know drinking heavily which tends to be very common in the UK, um, binge drinking and cocaine and things like that. And it seems like there's less satisfaction or, or fulfillment, as we, as we said. I would be one of those people that would say, what the hell? And that was a phrase I would use when someone said, hey, do you want a drink, Greg? Have another drink. Have another one. And of course, I live somewhere where there's cocktails all the time, and I'd mix like hell different drinks. And I just, I just say, what the hell? You know, I feel great. But then... I could quite easily change my mood um, from that point on. And then someone would say to me, oh yeah, you're acting totally different um, than who you you are generally. Or, And I was surprised. I was like, really? I, I, I acted differently. I, I wasn't aware of it. And, it. and it sort of proved in a way that, you know, as you were saying, Brendan, have a drink, have fun at a party or whatever, but also understand that there may be certain things that just don't go with your system. Um, and also, if you can understand how to control your intake and you can learn how to master that, that might be useful because it's been useful to me to have a nice glass of wine with fish or a matching red wine with steak and enjoy the experience or have a coffee, but not become dependent upon it and, and, and recognize the signs, you know, the triggers. And so I've luckily been able to walk away from that but I know my biological father was an alcoholic although I didn't really know him and so I tried to piece together the fact that you know maybe there's a genetic there inheritance uh, as well as the behavioral stuff that nature and nurture you know growing up with um, dysfunction or with uh, fears and so on and so forth so yeah and again as Jim was saying self-awareness is I think the key uh, or the core thing here um, to be to be aware of really of, of of yourself and how you act and the decisions you make and how you can slightly just tweak a few things here and there, you can make a massive difference to your life, you know? But to, to build on that again, uh, Greg, like <clears throat> alcohol is an obvious one, but yeah. I don't drink and I know that my biggest trigger for downward spiral mentally is actually my allergy to wheat. Right. And uh, I've, I've got a, a gluten intolerance and it's a, it's a real thing. It's not a, a fatty thing. It's uh, and one of the major symptoms that I get is extreme depression if I consume wheat, and that's obviously related to my microbiome. And because of uh, the when I consume that, it messes with my my microbiome in my stomach. And your gut's known these days as your second brain, and mm. it really has a massive impact on my on my physical not just my, my mental state, but my physical ability to do anything. I get lethargic, my joints start to hurt and I go into a very bad state if I, and, and it's, and for me with, um, with uh, wheat consumption, it's not, it's not acute, it's cumulative. So if I eat one slice of bread today, tomorrow I'll wake up like I've got a hangover, like someone who's had a few too many beers. If I eat wheat consecutively, it, cumula it accumulates and I get a cumulative problem where I, I get more depressed and more depressed and more lethargic and more lethargic. And I start to exhibit like serious inflammation. And um, that's where my downward spiral really happens to start off with is, is the dietary side of things. So that's just me with, with uh, a gluten intolerance. There mm -hmm. are many, many other uh, food allergies and intolerances and, um, I mean, sugar is a massive poison and alcohol is really just fermented sugar. So sure. uh, they, they, they affect you in very similar ways. And I would encourage people to try and um, acknowledge and see 
what their intolerances are as well and what kind of uh, you know uh, allergies and food food intolerances they have because your microbiome has a massive impact on your mental state as well just to add to something else in case it's not a, a diagnosed you know issue it's a great point one of the things uh, yeah great point paul uh and to add to that as well one of the things that's really helped me um build my self-awareness about um what makes me feel good and what doesn't make me feel good has been journaling. I think that's another thing that's not so talked about, uh, you know, like a man writing in his diary every day. What? Um, <laughs> uh, I do. I started that in November and it's been one of the most, one of the best decisions I've made in the last year because um, it's almost like, and, and I have the same questions I, I answer every day. And some of them are like, what's a moment that I really appreciate at the end of the day, I'll write, What's a moment that I really appreciated about today? What is something I learned about myself today? What is something I learned about others today? And just those types of questions. And what happens is that over time, you answer the same questions and you start to recognize patterns. Uh, that's when I started to recognize one of my patterns of good things is that I loved having conversations with people um, about just being vulnerable and, and talking about feelings and and you know, topics like this, I realized that's one of my favorite things. So I got into coaching. I didn't know that that's something I really wanted to do until I started reflecting on my life. And then one of the things, you know, I started recognizing the things that didn't make me feel good were when I ate too late in the day. You know, if I ate within an hour of bed, I'd wake up feeling kind of groggy. So mm. it's um, just, just a, a tip for people listening that want to build their self-awareness is to come up with some kind of ritual, like some kind of journaling every day or score how you feel each day, just something like that. It will really, um, you'd be, you, I was very surprised. Um, and I'm a, somebody who never journaled ever before and just started as a, uh, now. So, uh, that's been really helpful. But, um, another point you made Paul was, um, about what type of information you consume and, and the information diet is just as important as the food diet. And because the information diet is what feeds our mental health, just like the food diet is what feeds our physical health. And yeah. so I think, you know, a, a quote from uh, somebody I look up to, Jim Rohn, is he says, you must stand guard at the gate of your mind. Mm. We, have to, we have to be careful about what information and what influences we let into our mind, because whatever we let it through the gate has power over us. It, it can influence us. So it's not, I'm not saying that we have to block out everything that triggers us all the time. Otherwise we're in trouble, but just something that I've been conscious about too. Am, am I watching mainstream media in the United States? Holy cow, no way. <laughs> that's, that's just trouble. Um, so what, inf and what kind of books am I reading? And another part of the influence picture is the people. So who are you spending the time around the most? And what are those people's habits? So if you want to quit drinking or take a break from drinking and all your buddies um, love happy hours, it's going to be tough, right? So mm. one thing I've, I've done with myself as I became an entrepreneur this year was I want to surround myself with more entrepreneurs and less, uh, less like corporate folks, not because they're bad, but just because what I learned was if you want to develop a new skill or a new habit, get around people where that's normal. Get around people where that is just a part of their everyday life. And then when something be feels normal, you know, we're more likely to do it. Just like in the same way, when a, if a man wants to talk about his feelings more, get in a group like Greg's group. So it feels normal to talk about stuff versus, you know, a different group of people where talking about your feelings is is weakness. So uh, just wanted to share that because that's been something that's been really helpful for me in my life. It's fantastic. And I, I just want to add to that, actually, which is that I love that stuff. Um, and I totally agree with you, you know, by actually measuring and Bren talked about it as well, measuring your progress through a medium in one way or another, you can then see where the patterns lie and, and adjust lovingly where you need to go. But it's absolutely true what you say that if you, if you, you know, 
it's kind of obvious in some ways if you hang around with corporate guys and you're in the corporate world and they're like snorting coke and you know doing shots and you're like hmm this really isn't for me so uh i need to take a cool sharp exit out of here but i mean i went through all that to get i learned the hard way <laughs> too many times doing too many times and and uh you know actually learning that you can be an individual you can be uh unique and embrace who you are as a person and not follow trends and society that tries to tell us how to be, believe, think, behave and everything else. So it's just about sometimes stepping away. And if you can get away um, into nature and I drive to, through Scotland sometimes and just stand looking at the mountains and the colors and everything else, you can then think again properly, can't you, about, what what your values really are, what really matters to you, and where your focus needs to be. And just as Jim Rung also said, some things are good, you know, things are easy to do and easy not to do. You've always got a choice. Um, you can keep doing the same things, but it's easy not to as well. It's easy not to necessarily pick up a cigarette or, or a drink. And if you can get used to doing those little things initially, as you support yourself on the journey, then I think uh, it is possible to make changes, you know? I just want to touch on something Greg said way in the beginning, and that's about uh, the relationships in your life. And mm. something that, that people should remember is when you're going through this, whether it be uh, burnout or depression or down at a dump state, inform the people around you of it. You make it clear to them, listen, this is how I'm feeling. It's got nothing to do with you. It's not. You're not the reason for it. Uh, this is something I'm dealing with myself. Uh, I don't need fixing. All I currently need is uh, a little empathy or space or whatever. And uh, that'll make things easier on them as well. Because it's it's much easier if you inform them of what's happening than they see you moping around or not getting out of bed. And uh, people draw conclusions. And then the first instinct is, what did I do wrong? What's going on? And um, by just helping them, they can help you. Yeah, absolutely. The more aware they are in what you're going through, the more tools they have to be able to support you in uh, your journey as well. Yeah, totally, Brent. Mm. Right. We have just passed the one hour mark. So I just want to say to everybody who's joined us, thank you so much. If you've got anything else you want to input or any uh, comments you want to make, please drop them now because we're going to start winding this down. Um for those of you who are listening on the podcast or seeing this on uh, YouTube afterwards, please, if this has added value to your life in any way or if it's uh, resonated with you, please share it with whoever you think would uh, would gain more value from it. Um, but only if it's added value to your life. We're not asking you to share, share garbage. So um, share it out. Spread the word. Um, encourage others to 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 get in, involved in, you know, dialogue and discussion. And let's just get the love out there and... Uh, and show you know that it's it's not it's you're not alone there's <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there in the same boat and a lot of people willing to listen and a lot of people willing to to stand next to you while you process and uh, hopefully uh not give advice where advice is not necessary just you know hold space really um on that note i think we might be wrapping it up. I don't see any other comments coming in. Um, to tell you as well, um, we are doing the live broadcasts from Facebook group called Soshing with Suntwe. If you want to be involved in the live broadcasts and you want to uh, be involved in the comments and the interactive part, you need to join the group now because we are keeping it exclusive to the actual group. And um, Everyone else will get the, the podcast and the, the YouTube video at a later date on the next day. But every Wednesday we go live, 7 p.m. CAT. I think as soon as the clocks change and we go out of daylight savings time or go into daylight savings time, I don't know which way around it works, um, I'm going to change the timing. It's probably going to be 8 p.m. CAT um, because there's a big bigger time gap and all the rest of it. But... Um, yeah, for the time being, it's 7 p.m. CAT, 6 p.m. BST, 1 p.m. Florida time, if I'm correct there, Jim. Uh, if we're going at 8 CAT, that's 2 p.m. Florida time, East Coast. 
Not yep. really change the clocks, though. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm... We'll work it out. At the moment, it's 7 p.m. 7 1 or 2 p.m. PST and Florida time, it's 1 p.m. So we'll see from there and yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll do a lot next time. Um, yeah, thank you to you guys for coming. If you... Uh, we'll drop the comment in the comments the the link to Greg's group for anyone who's interested. Um, we, I think we'll also take this uh, further in the group. We can set up a thread to talk more about this sort of topic and, uh, you know, uh, the four of us will uh, be tagged in that thing so we can respond at any time. Um, I'd like to get that group moving a bit more interactively. So if you're a member of that group, please get involved in the discussions, get involved, post stuff yourself. You know, the group's there for a reason. It's there for a, a safe place to, to have... Um, to have difficult conversations, a safe place where we can all uh, discuss things intellectually without getting too, um, too wound up in things, you know, and creating a space that's that's conducive to dialogue and talking and perspectives, looking at looking at difficult things from as many different different perspectives as we can possibly have. Um, on that note, thank you so much to Greg and Jim and Barrand. It's been amazing having you guys, and I always love chatting to you. So um, thank you from all of us here. We are going to bid everybody good night and uh, goodbye. It's been a pleasure guys. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure.